Are you interested in money, trends and behaviours? Welcome to Fin Talking, hosted by Jemima Joseph, Cassandra Crow, and Erica Hall. Just a quick reminder that this podcast provides general information only. It is not intended to provide financial, legal or tax advice. If you need advice, please consult a professional. Now let's get Fin Talking. Okay, welcome back. This is our final episode for Season 1 2020. And today's topic is going to be financial infidelity. I think it would be great to start with a definition of what financial infidelity is. And it is the act of spending money, possessing credit cards, holding secret accounts or stashes of money, borrowing money or otherwise incurring debt without the knowledge of one's partner, spouse or significant other. And I was sort of looking at this and thinking, "Mm, I'm probably guilty of this and probably a lot of us are at one end of the scale. And I think that that scale is when you're hiding purchases or receipts or you're perhaps not quite honest about the price you paid for something like, oh, yeah, I got this on sale. I you yeah. know, only paid $100. Um, it was basically pretend- free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good value. Yeah, it's an investment. Um, and Or you pretend a new purchase is an old one. So, oh, this old thing. I've had it for ages. And, yeah, and I've definitely Me been too. guilty of the old keeping stuff in the boot of the car and sneaking it inside. So, oh, you know, wow. I am definitely. I don't have a car. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> you just have to sort of like put a big coat on and hide it in your coat. <laughs> yeah, I don't even have a partner and I do that sometimes. So there you go. <laughs> In my mind, it can be relatively innocuous, right? Like I don't personally think mm-hmm. that's a big deal, but obviously I'm an offender, so maybe I've got a biased view on this. But I think where it starts to get a little bit more from a white lie into a major transgression is when it's the stakes start getting larger. So when you perhaps start, you take out a large loan and your significant other doesn't know about it or you have an additional credit card, or even you have stashes of cash um, that they're not aware of or really high valuable assets that they don't know about. And, you know, think about it. It's all about, you know, you're in a relationship. It's about trust. It's about equity. It's about working together to achieve your financial sort of goals. And, you know, if you're both working hard and saving really hard, and then you find out that your partner's got a couple of investment properties that you never knew about and you're living on, you know, bread and water to try and sort of save for, you know, a house or something, then that's going to have a major impact on trust in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, why do we do it? Why are we financially um, dishonest, <laughs> unfaithful? And I think it's essentially to avoid an argument. Actually, finances is one of the topics couples argue about the most you know, and money is security, right? And so having a shared financial outlook is super important. Um, and if it's not an alignment, it can cause a lot of problems. But um, part of the line, I guess, is because we don't necessarily want to stop the behaviour either. It's like, mm. I just really want those shoes. And I know that that's not going to be something that my partner gets or appreciates. So I'm just going to buy them and um, what he doesn't know won't hurt him is kind of the thinking. And I think that that's an important part too because it's it's not necessarily malicious and it's not at a major scale that's going to have a, a major impact on the finances of the family. It's just something um, to give me a little bit of a, a pickup. So I think for me, financial infidelity at the lower end of the scale is not so bad. But as I said, I am guilty of it. 
Um, and, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, and, yeah, and, and you do it to avoid an argument. But I don't know if you guys have got any other sort of um, views on this or experiences you want to share. For me, thinking about this, I think it's great we're talking about it because this is another kind Definitely. of taboo area of finance. So I think it's great that we're actually having this conversation is the first thing I'd, I'd add. But I think for me, it just boils down to secrecy, really kind of keeping a secret from your partner. And it could be small, like you described, Erica, or it could um, run away and become something quite meaningful, which almost becomes more like financial abuse in a way. Um, If you're kind of taking out a loan separately or squirreling away income from your partner and not letting them know, um, I think it does have the potential to run away. But I think for me, it's really around secrecy, unfortunately. Secrecy, obviously, like, I think there's, like, financial um, infidelity is, like, a spectrum. Like, there's, like we talked about, low-grade, very harmless stuff. I think everyone everyone would say that they have committed some form of, like, low-grade financial um, infidelity yep. at some point. But I think it's also wrapped up in that idea of how we consider money and the fact that people don't talk about it Honestly and openly, it does create a space for mm-hmm. that to um, seep in, into a relationship um, in various forms. So, yeah, I guess the fact that it's still taboo to talk about money in families and then obviously within mm-hmm. partnerships as well kind of speaks to what is maybe at the heart of the problem is that people aren't feeling comfortable enough to talk, still talk about money even in their most intimate closest relationship obviously it is a scale up to go from hiding um, or not necessarily being very transparent at times about the latest handbag purchase to then full-blown financial abuse I I mean looking into the the statistics around financial abuse it is stuff that is going undiagnosed in the community and it's been quite alarming when you read into this a little bit more that it is quite prevalent in Australia and it is very much undetected. Mm, It is a highly gendered issue and I think us talking about it now, it's very timely because in this COVID era, a lot of those undiagnosed issues that were happening in families and just general stuff in society it's kind of becoming even more of a troubling issue and growing its significance. There's a quite a heavy correlation to domestic violence cases as well, which is really scary because if you're in an abusive relationship and you need to exit yeah. that, you you need money to exit. I mean, you could go to a shelter, but if you had money or a credit card, it would be potentially a little bit easier to practically extract yourself from that situation. So I think there's quite a high correlation to, you know, controlling the purse strings and financial infidelity and then abuse being the other end of the spectrum and domestic violence as well, which I think is quite a frightening proposition. Um, The intent behind financial infidelity, I think, is relatively benign. It's not malicious, but that's different to financial abuse, which is related, but the intent is very different. And so you're absolutely right, Mm -hmm. Cassie, in terms of what you're saying. Um, about controlling behaviour and it's quite malicious. It is a way to um, control another person by, you know, basically limiting access to money and assets and family finances to gain power and control. 
And I did read a statistic. I don't honestly know how accurate it is, but I read that 99% of domestic violence cases involve financial abuse. So it's a real problem. And as you say, money equals freedom, money equals security, money gives you optionality. So if you don't have access to it, it's really difficult to then extract yourself if you're in an abusive relationship and you don't have the the finances and the capability to um, support yourself. And so to me, you know, whilst financial infidelity is linked to financial abuse, financial abuse is a different situation altogether and, um, and it all comes back to the, the intent behind what you're doing when you're hiding <laughs> um, your, your finances. And, look, I agree as well. Like it all comes down to, to trust and, and equity and really having secrets is, is not ideal but it's like in in life when we have these little white lies to just um you know smooth things over and so i think once the transgression becomes beyond that you know serious then then you've got a serious problem like i was sort of reading a little bit about you know financial infidelity and you know what why people do it and you know i think what happens is every little day habits um start to sort of compound and so how does it get from a small transgression to a major problem and it's, I guess, as you start to get away with it, perhaps you start doing it more and more and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got a, a massive debt, mm. for example, that your partner didn't know about. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's interesting in terms of the intent was never malicious, it just got out of hand. Yeah. Versus financial abuse where the intent is absolutely to keep you under control. Definitely. Totally. I mean, good people can do bad things. I think there's many examples of that, right? It's not the intention, yeah. but then you get in this hole and you don't know yeah. how to get out and then you get further in. If we can be from the outset transparent and talk about it and also I think retain, if possible, some financial independence because obviously often people take time out of the workforce to raise kids or care for elderly people or they might want to study and change career. There's many different reasons, but that can mean that you're effectively giving up some of your income at that period of time. And it might just be one of you in the relationship that's earning income. And I think that can be quite tricky at times as well, because then the shift kind of focuses to one person to bring in the income, the other person still obviously doing very meaningful and equally important work, but it can shift that power dynamic. So I was sort of thinking, Maybe one other thing to keep in mind is even if you have to take a time out of the workforce, still try to stay connected to it because then if you need to re-enter, uh, it's potentially easier further down the track. So I think that being transparent and then trying to stay connected to your independence, if at all possible, could be things that could be important I to agree. keep in mind. Like it's great to have joint bank accounts and joint you know, initiatives as a family you know, and, and goals as a family, but I think you do also need some of your own money as well. And, and, you know, that's just a security issue. And I don't necessarily think it needs to be hidden, but I just think you need to be able to access and for your own peace of mind. And so that's something that really resonates with me, um, just to have that, you know, financial independence. So I know if I need to access money, I can. And look, I know that that might not necessarily be easy for everyone to achieve, but uh, you know, it'd be something that I would be encouraging people to to try to just have a little little bit of money that they can access directly. Um, that's their own. It removes that um, issue somewhat <laughs> in terms of you know that control. 
even though, like to your point, have your own credit card, but you know what, have your own pin on it as well. And that's not to be protective, but just to have something that in the event of an emergency you can access, I think is also an interesting tip. I agree with that. I think it's very important, especially knowing that this is a slightly, well, it's not slightly, it's a gendered issue where women are more susceptible to, um, you know, the adverse um, consequences of all of this stuff. So very important tips. But I think the other thing would be sharing financial tasks amongst the partnership. So I know this is something Mm. that my parents do. They do their taxes together and obviously it's tax time and, you know, it's, I mean, (laughs) he's an accountant, mum's a nurse, Um, but literally like during this, I've been staying with them during the pandemic and after they watch their favourite TV show, which I don't enjoy watching (laughs) um, with them, they'll like, you know, switch off the TV and then pull out their tax paperwork. It's all filed nicely and they'll literally do each other's taxes together. I don't know, just seeing that behaviour role model, like the whole hands-on-deck approach, Dad's very much driving it because he's an accountant, but they're doing it together and then at least mum's on the same page with what's going on and they kind of apply that same philosophy to most of the stuff that they do. Like dad obviously has the innate skill set, but um, he does bring mum along on that journey and they do stuff together and she knows where to find all the information. So I think that's really good. I think that's so important actually because mm. I think what happens in these situations yeah. of financial abuse in particular is people um, don't have access, don't have control, don't even know what the financial exactly. situation is. And so that just mitigates it uh, you know, at the start, at the outset, because everyone's on the same page. Exactly. Because also imagine if one partner passed away at one point and the other one had no idea of how to kind of access the finances or where they were. I think that's a brilliant example. On that same point, there's this book I've been reading and I think I mentioned it to you, Erica, the other day about, um, it's called The Diversity Bonus. And I think it kind of applies in this situation. So it's all, talk, the book's all about talking about the benefits that you can um derive from the differences in how a, a group of people, or in this case two people, um, or a couple thinks about um, how they approach problem solving. And I think the fact that, you know, on most accounts, you know, a partnership in a relationship perspective does consist of two people who probably have very different backgrounds in terms of what they do for a living, the different ways they approach stuff. But you can actually, by channeling the differences you actually can lead to a better outcome, which is what this diversity bonus is. So I think people might feel that, oh, my partner is better at finances than I am, so I'll just leave it to them. What this is kind of saying is, and it's actually all based on like science and understanding of the brain and all of that kind of fancy stuff, but approaching it together, you can actually get a better outcome than just relying on one person. So I think that just kind of justifies why you want to go at it together. Yeah, great message. If back on financial infidelities, around a third of people think that financial infidelities are actually worse than a physical infidelity. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really interesting as well. Like it's it's a really serious topic and, you know, if people do find out that there's, you know, and I guess more so at the larger end of the scale as we talked about, you know, um, you know debts and, you know, hidden assets, et cetera, that trust can be broken. And um, it, it might not be recoverable. 
So, you know, it is it is really important topic to wrap your arms around and you know, take seriously and, and think about ways to mitigate it. And I think we've given some great solutions in terms of, you know, and Cassie, I love your example of when you're perhaps on maternity leave, that's a, that's a very vulnerable position for a woman to be in. Mm-hmm. It's a massive change to her life and really um, your partner I'm assuming a male partner, but um, but not actually. I don't. I shouldn't have to. Your partner just continues on. Like obviously, they're still co-parenting and caring for the child with you. But the stay-at-home parent has had the whole world turned upside down, and that um, financial security as well. That like, you know, for me, it was the first time that I had stopped working. Like I'd always worked yep, since the same. age of fourteen and yep. nine months. <laughs> Reference that in a previous yeah. episode. Like honestly, yep. I've never not worked. And it, it was a very challenging time for me to to not be working and not be earning an income. And it did change the dynamics of our, our partnership because a lot of my self worth was caught up in in my my work. And my ability to be financially independent. Now, obviously, I wasn't, you know, I did, I was only on maternity leave. I was going back and I did have a quite a short maternity leave, but it did, you know, make me realize how important that financial independence is for my own peace of mind as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think your, your points around staying connected to the workforce, having um, your own access to money, really important for your own. Um, security and and mental health. Yeah, no, look, I found the same. I mean, I had a year out of the workforce and the most helpful thing to me was to keep in contact with some of the community in the industry to just feel connected that I could come back and and still have some idea of what was going on and and try to also, you know, achieve some of the qualifications you want to have before you go on maternity leave was the other thing I found quite handy. But that practically doesn't always work out for people. And, you know, you go on to continue to study, but Having done some of those major ones before taking maternity leave, I found was really helpful to sort of set me up for return. But yeah, no, totally agree, Erica. I think the reality is we've got to keep breaking down the walls about these types of topics and keep kind of trying to shine a light on some of these difficult and awkward and kind of scary conversations. Because I think the other thing we always talk about is financial literacy. And while that's quite low in our country and around the world, shining a light on these types of elements of of finance is just so important for all of our well-being really at the end of the day. 